0: Hello and welcome to Change the Conversation, a podcast from Dara Co. Featuring frank conversations and fresh perspectives that can help you to connect, communicate and grow. I'm your host, Elaine Burke, the Editor-in-Chief of Dara & Co. And I'm here with Sam Stewart from Sam's Collective, an agency hosting queer events in Dublin. Sam recently returned to Dublin from New York and they are a consent ambassador for the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Welcome, Sam. It's great to talk to you. It's good to talk to you too. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you today about labels uh, and pronouns and the words that we use to describe ourselves our gender identities and also our sexual leanings Um, and I I was kind of wanting to start off with like why we choose to label so you've been on a journey yourself in terms of deciding where you fit on that LGBTQIA plus spectrum (laughs) um, and tell us a bit about that and about uh, where you ended up
1: Yeah. Um, It's been a bit of a journey. I came out as bisexual when I was 19. And at the time, that's kind of what suited me best. I kind of came out to my parents that I liked more than one gender. And, you know, at the time previous to that, I was only dating men. So I was like, I think I like girls as well. And I kind of had to like, you know, explain that to them and explain what that meant and stuff like that. And then as I kind of explored it a bit more, um, and I moved to New York, I actually was only dating women for a little while. So then I kind of started to identify as a lesbian and like would call myself that. And then I started to date people of all genders, um, not just women anymore. And then I started to question it again and pansexual, which was what felt best at the time. and st- I still do relate with, um, but queer is the thing, the the label that, that I identify with most now. Um, And really because it's an umbrella term and it's kind of just what I feel most comfortable with in myself. And it's because I feel like it also um, identifies my gender as well. Um, I've started recently exploring my gender a bit more and really starting to think about labels and what suits best and stuff like that. And if I had to put a label on it, I would say gender fluid, um, which means one day, you know, I might wake up and feel more masculine and another day I m- might be more feminine. But again, queer just fits better with me.
0: Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a nice, uh, as you said, like an umbrella kind of capacity there. You can fit a lot under queer, which is good when you are questioning, when you are going on a journey like that like you went on. And, and now it's, it's kind of interesting that you've landed in the space that's like, a bit more freedom in terms of labeling that you don't want to maybe be pigeonholed in one aspect of the spectrum or, or other.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And like the, the queer label as well, like it is, it for so long, obviously it was used as a derogative term and stuff like that. So not everyone in the LGBTQIA plus community identifies with it, but some people do and some people are reclaiming it and it just, it fits better. For some people, not only people who are like continually questioning, but just the freedom of it. And like the, the label of it just, just feels more me. And that,
0: I just find that's really interesting as well, because I do like even said, like, if I had to put a label on it, like they are useful in, in their way, but I think people maybe have a love, hate, or maybe a like, dislike relationship with these labels, because the whole area of, um, LGBTQIA plus is one of, uh, kind of going outside cultural norms in a way and uh, uh, these identities have been around for a very long time but what we have kind of considered cultural norms and being free to express and try different things yet we then get kind of caught up in this labeling system do you find that kind of dichotomy as well
1: yeah i when i first came out as bisexual i actually i experienced biphobia from the straight community and the queer community uh which was very interesting to me because I was like well you know we're kind of supposed to put a label on it and like I've chosen my label but now no one is accepting my label and there's a lot of biphobia that goes on um in just everywhere um and there's a lot of presumptions uh about it and stuff like that so it kind of Honestly, it kind of pressured me to narrow it down even more, which is when like I was dating women more consistently, I was like, well, I guess I'm a lesbian and that just suits better. Um, which is interesting when you think about it, because it was kind of pressured into like, no, 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 we need like a more definitive label for you. Um, And I always, I say this poem at my events, and it's always, it's talking about like not fitting into any one box. Um, And I always lean back to that because I feel like we're always like people are always pushing to try and fit you in a box, whether that's like your label that you're, you know, your your sexual identity, your gender identity. Um, and if there's any of those in between labels, like bisexual or non-binary or anything like that, people kind of get a bit confused and definitely get, I would say uncomfortable with the fact that they can't put you in those boxes. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Do you think there's like an, an ease for you as the individual as well to let things just be taken as one way and not be constantly correcting people and, and constantly being like i mean let's say in my case i'm in a straight relationship i happen to be a bisexual woman i don't spend my life correcting people if they call me straight because i've been with a man for 12 years that's fine and it's just like sometimes you just let things go i guess and, and not in a way that in any way diminishes you and who you are is it just like it's just hard work to constantly have to give people those road markings
1: yeah and it's interesting you say that because I actually just had a conversation this week with someone about like I just recently transitioned into full they them pronouns um beforehand I was comfortable with they she and I don't think that I was comfortable with it I think that I was comfortable with the fact that because I was saying that she is part of my pronouns If some if someone made the mistake I didn't have to correct them you know because that was part of who I was saying that I was comfortable with and that was it and it was kind of the easier route to just do that um. now I don't feel the need to correct people all the time I definitely feel like just comfortable enough within myself and like I understand that it is a learning journey with pronouns and stuff like that as well um, but yeah it's just interesting to kind of make the shift yeah. In that way.
0: And it is like it it's a hard thing to do because it is kind of a burden then to be feeling like you're constantly correcting people. It's kind of like when um you've misheard something and it's the third time you're asking someone to, re- to repeat it and you actually just say, No, it's fine, I got it, even though you still have no idea what they said, because it just, you know, it, yeah. it takes a toll on the conversation and you just want to move on and be able to have a free and fluid conversation. But it's still it's kind of unfair as well. So I suppose it's just uh, as a society, even though know we've been a while with uh using they them pronouns and various gender identities and acknowledging that they exist but i I think we're still definitely got the training wheels on when it comes to properly using them and feeling like it's a natural thing to use these terms in our
1: everyday life yeah and it definitely like another thing as well that i've realized is it is my responsibility as well to give people the information that they need to gender me correctly so like when I had moved from they, she, which I was I was happy with that people use they or she pronouns with me, that when I was moving to they, them, I I didn't actually want to come out again. I was like, I don't want to go through that process and I don't want to do that. But then I kind of came to and realized you have to give people the correct information so they can treat you the way that you want to and the way that you deserve to be treated um, and genders correctly. So,
0: yeah. And, and what was it that led you to the gender neutral pronouns as, as your preference?
1: Um, I honestly, when I was living in New York, I had met a lot of non binary people, and that was the first time that I'd ever uh, met people who use they, them pronouns. It was when I actually had to train myself to learn them and stuff like that, because as I said, it is a learning process. It's not, we're not taught to automatically use anything other than he or she in our like normal basic language. Now, hopefully we will be, but um, it took me a while to learn them. And as I was around those people and see their fluidity with their gender, it definitely made me start to question my own. And I adapted the she as I've spoke about, and that was kind of like me venturing into like I do feel more masculine on some days, or I do feel kind of like neither on other days. And um she was my default, so I kind of always left that there. And then recently as i've realized my fluidity of like i will wake up one day and i want to be in a dress and heels and like be very feminine and stuff like that and then in another day i'll i want to wear a suit and wear like be and i i always express myself like very vividly through my clothes so i always go back to that when i'm thinking about it but it's very much in how i feel um like i have recently started like binding on some days um which means that i just wear a binder and i don't really want to see any like testicles or anything like that (laughs) and then other days like I love that they're there so it's just it's really I've I uh acknowledged the fluidity that was happening and kind of came back to okay like gender fluid is kind of where I'm where I'm basing off of
0: yeah and it is it's all about like what you're comfortable with because it's either you find a gender neutral pronoun or on days where you would be comfortable with one or the other, that would be way harder for your friends and family to keep up. <laughs> Unlike today, I, I'm being this version of Sam and the next day I might not be. So yeah, the, having a gender neutral pronoun is helpful
1: in yeah. that case. And there is, there is gender fluid people that has have those that like they use any pronouns. And I've seen someone who, you know, on the days that they feel more feminine, they want she to be used. So what they'll do is they'll wear pink like a pink wristband or pink eyeshadow, so people around them know that that's the pronoun that they want used. Like the same with, if they want he, him, it's blue, and if they want they, them, it's like yellow or like a neutral colour, which is an interesting take on it as well, because it's allowing people, it's giving people that information, as I was saying, to gender you correctly. Yeah, it's really interesting as well, because it's actually kind of using
0: kind of old tropes of of how colours can be assigned to specific genders, and like how kind of... That is also ridiculous as a concept, but at the end of the day, those colors are coded that way. We do see pink associated with more feminine things. We do see blue associated with more masculine things. And then things like your yellows and greens tend to sit in that neutral space. So like using those kind of old ideas, but in a way that is making things more comfortable for them, that's... it's. It's quite interesting.
1: Yeah. And they are our default as well. So it is easier for, you know, as you said, it, like it's what people know and it's what people associate with it. So like we may not agree that pink is a girl's color or whatever, but it's our default. So when we see that, we're like, OK, she, her. Yeah. It's, yeah.
0: And I suppose it's like there's also that persistence of the binary and those old tropes and um, like it's there. it's not easy. For us to shake them off. Even people who are within queer spaces uh, still like, as we just said, use the colorings or use different things uh, that are from kind of old modes of thinking, but it's how they communicate uh, where they're coming from. I, I just find that like, how, how hard is that to navigate? Because I, I'd imagine sometimes uh, with people who are, you know, gender fluid, it might still be a question of like, oh, yeah, but I mean, what were you assigned at birth or uh, what 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 do you identify as? Like people seem to want to hang their hat on a certain gender identity. Just I don't know, just to converse with someone, just to to connect with you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually having a conversation today and someone asked me uh, what someone's gender identity was. And I said non-binary and they immediately were like, but what were they assigned at birth? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. And that was like an interesting conversation because like that, it's like someone, like they're trying to find the labels or trying to find what's existing. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's like, it's a constant thing that people are trying to, again, there comes the, comes up the boxes, you know, of trying to place you in a box and place you somewhere that like they understand and within their mind, they're like, okay, you fit there. That's perfect. That's okay. But if you don't fit in it, they're like, okay, where do I put you? What's going on? Um But yeah, it's definitely interesting. And it does happen continually in queer spaces as well. Um, For example, like I was at Trans Pride a couple of weeks ago and there was probably three non-binary flags, like in the hundreds or thousands of people that were on the streets that day. Like it's very interesting to kind of see the different things and the different communities. And I understand it, but also like there's so many people that get left out and left behind. And then if we start to talk about the queer spaces that exist here now as well. It's like there is a binary aspect to it if like we start thinking about the bathrooms. Um the bathrooms are generally are are gendered in all of the queer venues in Dublin, to my knowledge. And uh if you're a non-binary person, which bathroom do you go into the men's or the women's? And then if you don't want to go into either of those, like do you use the disabled toilets and what's the ethical around that? Like it's it's just it's it's a very grey space right now.
0: Yeah. And it is Like, it's confusing, isn't it? Because, like, why have we made public bathrooms boxed into a binary gender construct when at home we all tend to share the same bathroom space? Like, why did that ever become a thing? So, when you think it all the way through, it really doesn't make any sense. But as you said, not only are bathrooms becoming like coded spaces that someone has to question their personal identity just to decide where they need to go to the toilet, but also have become Like a political debate in some spaces as well Like I've uh, seen uh, some very uh, noxious politicians Responding to just the existence of non-gendered bathrooms As like oh this is some woke nonsense And it's like well what's your bathroom like at home dude Like do you send And that's it
1: like my argument to that And to every argument that's brought up in that Is like at the end of the day People are just trying to go to the bathroom Like that's all they're trying to do And like it's it is really harmful for trans people Because like They could hold, you know, going to the bathroom and be there for, you know, hours because they're too uncomfortable with going in with the possibility of being questioned like what their body parts are. Like, do they have a right to be there? And again, they're just trying to go to the bathroom. It's a basic right that we all should have. Yeah.
0: And it seems to be a thing that generally seems to only come up when it is members of, say, the trans or queer community, because when uh, parents bring children of all uh, stripes into bathrooms because, you know, that's what's accessible to them. We don't question it. Or, I mean, I've been on nights out where one bathroom is too busy. So everyone uses the other one and like no one really questions that either. Uh, And it's, it's just interesting how they, We, not we, (laughs) certainly not me, but people have picked these uh, very specific areas to get all head up about when really, you know, the mask is slipping. What they're really angry about is the general existence of trans people. And I think that should be called out when it's what's happening. And it happens as well with the pronouns uh, as well. They've kind of become a political thing when really all they are is just a word that you use to substitute your name in a conversation. Exactly. Like, there's just no, like I'm speaking from my own experience as an editor, like the singular they has existed for a really, really long time. Uh, It's used when you want to talk about uh, kind of an unidentified individual. It's usually used in, say, an instructive context or something like that. But it it has always been available to us. And, And as a writing style guides for publications, it's never been a problem to say, yes, you can use a singular they. And some style guides have only really started to include that as an option, which is surprising to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because like I, you always fall back as well on like the the people that you don't know within your lives that you automatically use day for. So, you know, like the postman or like the shop clerk that you're like, oh, yeah, they just scanned it and sent it through. Like you don't acknowledge that those things actually automatically happen within your mind when it's not someone that you know or someone's gender that you identify immediately.
0: Yeah. Or that you made assumptions about for whatever exactly. reason, um, and that is like that. I'm sounding like, oh yeah, it's singular day. I'm totally cool with that. And yes, in the written word, I'm perfectly capable with it. But when it comes to speaking, we do fall on our defaults. And I have definitely accidentally sheed you today <laughs> uh, on a few occasions. And, and that's on me um, because it is a space where we're all learning and we're all trying to basically untrain our brains from something that we have defaulted to since we
1: learned to speak. Yeah, so. exactly. And like, it's, it's funny because like people like people who use they them pronouns and within the queer community and the trans community and everything, make mistakes as well. Like my partner the other day was talking about me and used she pronouns and just didn't even clock it. And, you know, it was because we were talking about, I have a dog and I was like, I'm her mother. (laughs) And with mother immediately, my partner was like, oh, it's she, her, like that's it. And I immediately started um, using she, her. So like the accidents happen. The main thing is, is if you make an accident, just kind of like acknowledge it correct it and move on like the lingering on it is kind of something that uh it draws more attention to it it makes everyone in the situation uncomfortable because we're all kind of sitting there like oh oh like what are we saying now what do we do and then actually I, from experience I kind of realized that like it makes you it makes a tendency to actually for it to happen more because you're so concerned about it not happening yeah. um so yeah and again when we look at it in a context of like
0: if you did that with other people who weren't a member of the queer community, say, uh, uh, you accidentally, uh, use the wrong pronoun or the wrong name for someone in your family, just because some, some, I have a big family. So that happens to us all the time. <laughs> like you're trying to talk about one of them and you, you, you say the other one's name or the other one's pronouns, and it's just a simple mistake. We don't dwell on them as much as we do, because I suppose there's an element of we are trying to be conscious and respectful. Um, but it's, it's interesting to hear you say like, kind of dwelling on it too much and maybe nearly being overly apologetic about it and uh, making a big deal out of it, it doesn't really help the situation. It's, you need to move on quickly and just kind of get yeah, over it. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> definitely acknowledging it, you know, apologizing and everything is is great. is a great practice and stuff, but just sitting on it and dwelling on it and kind of bringing it back up doesn't help anyone. And all it does is, as I said, make the situation a bit more awkward. So yeah, acknowledging it, moving on. That's exactly it. I just keep trying. Yeah,
0: and while we're all learning...
1: I mean, it does feel
0: like every day I am learning uh, new words from the queer spectrum. And it, it is a fascinating area. There's just all sorts of identities. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Like the rainbow just keeps getting more colors added to it. That's fantastic. Yes. Um. So if you were to give us kind of like a run through of uh, the LGBTQIA plus acronym and all of the sweeping identities that come under that, uh, let's go for it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: of course. Right. So we'll start from the start. So it's LGBTQIA plus right now. Um, L, L is the lesbian aspect. Um, so it is generally women or non-binary people who are physically or sexually or romantically attracted to other women. Um, I'm going to need you to keep reading the out to me. G. <laughs> B, <laughs> LG, uh, gay. So the G, so LG is the, the gay community, which, Gay has been used as a uh, umbrella term for a really long time, but people are actually kind of pulling back from that a little bit and trying to just identify either gay men or gay women sometimes use it um, for people who are homosexual. Um, but generally, it's gay men who are attracted to gay men. Um, B, bisexual. Do you want to take that one?
0: Oh, my God. Well, I loved I loved have one uh, graphic I saw online put it, and it was like, even if you are maybe twenty percent attracted to the same sex, or ninety nine percent attracted to the same sex and one percent attracted to the opposite sex, all of that is bisexual. It's in it. It itself is a whole spectrum as well. Yeah, uh, and, and that's how it works. Like, yeah, you could be uh, in a relationship with uh, a man and be a woman or you could be attract, and in that relationship be attracted to other women yeah. which my boyfriend hears about a lot <laughs> and then that's just how it is it's kind of non-discriminating now it does what I find I, I'm not huge on the label either because it is a gender binary label itself um, but it is a term that's useful and People are familiar with, and again, shorthand. If you say that to people, they know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the new labels that are coming out as well is bisexual is uh, someone who has who is romantically or sexually attracted to more than one gender. So then you're not putting in the binary; you're putting in kind of it is everyone, or it's not everyone. You know, it, it's more than one gender, and that's it. Um, but then we are on to T transgender. Um, So that is someone whose gender expression or gender identity differs from the gender that they were assigned at birth. Um, And that also falls, that has like a whole other umbrella of terms that we won't go into all of them, but uh, non-binary fits under there. So non-binary people would also be uh, trans uh, and fit under that label. And non-binary people are people who identify as neither male or female. Um, And gender fluid, which we were talking about earlier on, which is kind of me where I'm at, which is like some days I might identify more feminine, some days it might be more masculine and it's kind of like on a wave and it, it, yeah, it's on a bit of a spectrum. Um... And then Q is queer. So the umbrella term that I'm so fond of, um, which really is just a big umbrella term for the gay community. Um, I do always know when I do talk about queer is not everyone is still comfortable with that term because it was um, a negative term in the past. So just be wary when you are using it and who you are when you're using it. Um, and yeah. I is intersex, um, which is people who have characteristics of both male and female sex organs and not all intersex people identify as part of the LGBTQIA community. So we'll add that in as well. And then A is asexual. So uh, people who are not romantically or sexually attracted to other people. Yeah. And then plus with all the rest of them, which is a growing, growing list. Um, So yeah. Yeah, I think the plus has
0: been super helpful um, because like it's constantly, this community is capturing more and more different types of people who, uh, you know, there are people who don't want to be labeled as part of the LGBTQIA plus community because of the various features that you mentioned. But for the people who do, it gives them a community. It gives them um, people that can support them, that they can relate to, that they can share stories with and that kind of thing. And it is, all, it is about being a community, really. And, and that's such a wonderful thing to have, especially if you are a person who has come up against uh, any kind of pushback
1: on who you are to be able to find that acceptance. Exactly. And that's like a lot of the, a lot of people who I've spoken to may have lost, you know, their biological family in like the coming out process or things like that. But they, that's the, that's the most amazing thing I think about the community is like, we adopt people like no matter what. So there tends to be groups of people who have created their own families and things like that, that are there that I don't like, that I don't see existing in the way that it does in any other space.
0: Yeah. And like, even as you went through the labels, they're like the labels themselves are flexible. I think it is just about like an inclusive community. It's kind of like one of those things where like you can't absolutely please everybody. So really the labels, the acronyms, all that stuff is again, just there for shorthand. And it's as much there for interacting with the normies. (laughs) As much as it is for building the communities yourselves, because yeah. within those communities, even within those identities, you probably have so many different fragmented types of people. And yeah, it's just, I suppose, queer has been a helpful term as an umbrella for that. And and, and Sam's Collective runs queer events. Um, and I, like, I suppose there's a positivity in how that term has been uh, reworked and made more positive, because it does sound really positive to me now when I hear it. Yeah. um, I, I've grown up in a very different era and and you've grown up in an even more different era and I would like to see uh more terms like that like that it, they're not kind of weighted heavy terms that it's just like yeah it's just that's who they are as much as they are a postman or yeah. <laughs> shouldn't even say postman actually postal worker person yeah but we all will make mistakes yeah and we talked about what we should do then and I think also we do need to be open to learning i think that's what's crucial to this process.
1: Yeah. And like the, the whole thing is like, and everyone who I've spoken to, who has, who has adapted different pronouns and stuff like that, all we care about is that you're trying, you know? Um, and the effort is all really that matters at the end. We don't care if you make mistakes. We don't care how long you make them for, you know, as long as you're catching yourself and you're trying, you know, and that's kind of the continuous thing that we want to see. You don't have to get it right every time, but you do have to be open to, trying to do that and try yourself and be trying with your friends and stuff like that. So yeah,
0: And it's worth being open to because it's just
1: like, it's a
0: fascinating world,
1: I have yeah. to say that
0: much. Um, and in that respect as well, when you're bringing other people on that journey, it is kind of like for um, queer people, coming out is an ongoing process, uh, especially if you don't fit quite neatly into one of the better known identities. Uh, if, if you're uh, gender fluid, or uh, even intersex, because, you know, there are people who um, kind of will visibly wear their identities in certain ways. And there are people who won't and maybe have to broach that with maybe a new partner or uh, friends and family and and things like that. How has your journey been in that way where you've had to kind of come out over and over again, especially with exploring your identity as well?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually in a period of like coming out now with the the new gender identity that I'm at because I kind of say like I'm at gender fluid right now but that might change too you know we don't know where it's going to be so as I said earlier on like I was kind of annoyed that I had to start coming out again um but my journey with coming out started when I was 19 and I had told my mom and stuff like that and I kind of said like I kind of think that I like girls too and my mom was like no you don't and I was like okay. And that was it. Like, that was the answer to it. And that was the conversation that we had. And like, it wasn't necessarily negative, but it was definitely just like, they just didn't understand. And the way that I've lived basically since then, is just like my family kind of go, Sam will do whatever they want to do. And like, they love and they respect it, but they might not understand it. And that's kind of how it is. And I recently came out to my Nana, um, which was interesting. She was extremely curious, not in a hateful way at all, but she was just kind of like, well, you know, what if you find the right man or what if this happens or what if that happens and like was so curious as to like why uh I identified like that I was gonna say why it was happening yeah. <laughs> why are you like this <laughs> she was genuinely curious and there's been moments you know where we're having a cup of tea since then that she's like I actually don't think that that's the case and we have to go over it again and kind of like, make her understand again. And she's like, oh, okay, then never mind. Um, But it is just it's kind of a continual thing. And like just even just for that example, like I had come out to my Nana. And ever since then, every time I kind of see her, we have a bit of conversation about it. And it's it's very rarely me bringing it up. It's very much her kind of being curious about it and understanding it. And it's it happens continuously throughout your life. And I think that's something that you don't really realize. And that means whether your identity shifts or changes or it doesn't. It happens in so many different places. It's happened in workplaces for me. It's happened in bathrooms and stuff like that, that people are kind of like, hold on a second, like. um, And yeah, I think coming to terms that it's a continual process without the idea of that your identity is changing. So like a lot of the people will think that you come out and you have your label. And as long as you have that label, you're kind of fine. Um, but yeah, it's a continual process, it's a continual thing, no matter what. Yeah, it's kind of something it's hard to accept, I think, in the beginning.
0: And probably, especially if you're on a journey and you're still questioning in in many ways um, and you still haven't quite defined yet where you're at. Is it it probably doesn't get easier then because like you're getting asked quite pointed questions that you're probably still figuring out. (laughs) For
1: yourself. <laughs> that's I actually I had that experience um because I, I mentioned that I went to trans pride and I very much bef- the night before it's actually it's it's a very me thing but I wear a lot of crazy makeup and stuff like that but I was like what flag do I put on my face and like I was trying to figure out what flag to put and that was very much me being like what label do I fit under because all the flags reflect the labels and all of that and I kind of sat there and like very quickly the night before was like do I identify with this more do I identify with that more and I kind of just I like I used non-binary for the the day and the night and kind of like sat with it and I was like oh that doesn't really feel great and then yeah ended up going on to to gender fluid but yeah it was very much at through myself and then also other people after trans pride people were like oh like is this you coming out as non-binary and I was like I guess so like I guess it's me coming out as not a woman <laughs> like yeah that's kind of what it is um but I definitely did feel pressure from that day as I said for myself and other people um to put a label on it and I wasn't exactly ready to at that time either and did it get any easier with the with you gaining more confidence
0: in knowing where you were at did that make it easier then to
1: yeah it really helped with kind of researching all the identities and kind of like seeing, watching content and videos of people who, you know, are a bit more sure in themselves and how they identify. Um, and that kind of helps me resonate and see people that I was like, okay, like I kind of feel that way too, or I don't feel that way. So that label doesn't fit correctly or yeah, whatever. So that, that helped. That's great. Um,
0: what then, how, or how do you deal with those unexpected outcomes? Um, cause I'm sure like, when you're coming out, you probably have an idea with the person that you're speaking to or even the groups that you're speaking to. Uh, you can gauge which way this is going to go or how much I'm going to divulge here. Or we can assume that we would be able to gauge. But th- there's probably sometimes times where there's a surprising outcome and something is unexpected there. And uh, h- How do you deal with that? Like, that must knock you back a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um. In the beginning, it was definitely hard for me to deal with. Um. I didn't really have the resources and the tools that I do now. Um, And when I have a a bad reaction now, which I do sometimes still continually get, um, I kind of find, I find the resources of all the supports in Ireland. So for example, like Belong to Tenny uh, LGBT Ireland and uh, the Switchboard are all amazing resources to have. And they have uh, online chats, they have phone supports, kind of stuff like that. And Outhouse in Dublin is a queer cafe that kind of just like is a nice place to go and just feel like you, especially if something like that has happened, that uh, you've been received negatively or something like that, it's important for you not to internalize it and think of it as a reflection of who you are because their reaction is not your responsibility. And that is the main thing that I always kind of say. And I know it's so hard in the moment to kind of get to that point and to understand that um, because it feels like a reflection of you. But at the end of the day, it's them and their biases and everything else that's kind of going on um. That is that has nothing to do with you or your identity. Yeah, no, it's great advice. The reaction is not
0: your responsibility. I think that's like a golden rule that definitely should be taken away from this. And you said at the top as well, you mentioned that when you were in New York and you were kind of in a community that had people who were gender fluid in it, that kind of triggered some of that thinking for you. So how important do you think it is to kind of try and matriculate with some of the people that you think are in the spaces that you you might identify with? Um... If you can. Yeah. <laughs> because really it's know. finding your tribe is also hard, isn't it?
1: Yeah. um, it You know, it took me a while, especially in New York. But when I was there, there was like I did. I, fi- I found myself kind of being like, oh, OK, th- they use they, them pronouns. And I very much was in my head. And then I was kind of like I did the research that I wanted to do to kind of like make sure that I was respecting this person and, respe- and like making sure that my friend felt that I was gendering them correctly and stuff like that. Um, But being able to have that space, that safe space, really, whether that be that friend group or that queer space for me to find myself was like the key thing to my journey, I think.
0: That's great. Uh, Thank you so much for talking to us today, Sam. Uh, If anybody wants to find out more about Sam and Sam's Collective, you can visit samscollective.com and also find at Collective on Instagram. And Sam is going to have a masterclass on Dara & Co and a little bite-sized education on that LGBTQIA+ acronym and for any other stories on modern dating relationships and self-care check out daraandco.com find us on social media subscribe to this podcast get in touch let us know what you think and you can reach me on elaine at daraandco.com